Well, we're going to look into God's Word this morning. I hope you're ready for that. So you can go ahead and take your seat. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 7 in God's Word. Today we're going to be talking about prayer. I guess I should say Jesus is going to be instructing us about prayer. So as you're turning there, let me read the passage for you from Matthew chapter 7. From the lips of Jesus. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us courage and faith and boldness today to ask and keep asking for good gifts from you. Because, Lord, we know that it's in your heart, it delights you to give good gifts to your children. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here's a scenario to think about. Let's just say you were coming home from work one day and you turn onto your street and you look down there and to your dismay, you notice that your house is on fire. And so you pull up into the driveway and you're looking at it and it looks like it's about ready to collapse and you realize, I got about two minutes to run inside and grab some valuables out of my house and salvage them so they don't get consumed in this huge conflagration. So think about that. What would you go in and get? What would you make sure that you retrieved? Well, when I've asked that question in the past, people have said uh, uh, photo albums. I would grab my photo albums. They cannot be replaced. I'd go in and grab those. People would say, hard drives, you know, we got so much stored on those things, I'd grab my tablet or whatever. Kids, yeah, I'd get my kids out of there, make sure I grab them so they'd be okay. Well, I know for me, I would make sure I made my way upstairs to our bedroom and I would get off of my nightstand my journals because these journals are so valuable to me, they are irreplaceable. For 20 plus years, I've been recording in my journals basically my history with God. And that includes ups and downs, highs and lows, you know, just the, the moments of my life that I have sensed God guiding me through. And included in my journals is a bunch of answered prayers, because I like to keep track of how God is answering the things that I've been asking him for. And whenever I go back and flip through my journals like I do from time to time, it's always a really emotional experience for me to, to just see the guiding hand of God all throughout my life. And I just love the Lord for it, for what he's done for me. You know, I was um, flipping back through them recently, and I, I uh, reviewed some answered prayers. I remembered I'd written down back when my youngest son was five, and uh, he somehow contracted a parasite. And it just seemed like no matter what we tried, we couldn't get it out of his system. And so finally one night during family devotions, we all laid hands on him, and we prayed that God would extract this parasite out of his body. And guess what? No more parasite. And we praised God for that. And he was certainly praising God for that. Then there was a time when the church here was running short on cash to complete a particular project here. And I felt burdened down by it. And again, our family prayed for God to supply the need. The very next day, a church member came by and dropped an envelope off. It had a $10,000 check in it, which basically covered the project. And don't you know, I was praising God that day. And I recorded that in my journal as well. Well, 
many, many answers to prayer in my journals. But what I want us to see today is that Jesus desires for his people to pray. To pray and ask God for good gifts so that they can receive those good gifts and rejoice in them and praise God for them. You see, Jesus knew God the Father better than anyone. He lived with the Father for millennia, for eternity. And because of that, he knows that the Father delights to give good gifts to his children who ask him. And so my question for you today as we walk through this passage is this. What are you asking God for? What are you praying for? What, what good gifts are you asking the Father in heaven to give you? In this well-known passage in the Sermon on the Mount, what I see here are Jesus giving us six encouragements to pray. Six encouragements, encouragements meant to inspire us to persistently ask our Father in heaven for his good gifts to rain down into our lives. And my hope is that all of you will have journal entries to rejoice in and stories to tell of God's grace to you in answering your prayers for his glory. So let's take a look at this together. Six encouragements to pray. The first one I see is the encouragement of repeated invitations. Repeated invitations. Three times, Jesus invites his people, or you could say he lovingly commands his people to pray. You see it? Ask, seek, knock. Three times. I think that should get our attention. I think Jesus means for us to see that he really wants us to pray. Jesus really does want us to pray to God and ask him to supply the things that we need. And when I thought about this more, I realized, well, that makes sense because Jesus is the one who makes praying even possible. By dying for our sins, Jesus opened up for us the way to have access to God, right? To draw near to God. A privilege which would have remained closed off to us if he had not made his sacrifice. So Jesus feels strongly about this. He's got skin in the game. He earned for us, he purchased for us the right for us to come to God in prayer. So he really does want us to pray and ask God for things. But Then even more amazing than those multiple invitations are the many promises that he made as well that are contained in this passage. Multiple promises. Seven times Jesus says here that the Father will hear and act. Ask and what? It shall be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And then he goes on seven times. He promises that God will hear and respond to the prayers of his children. It strikes me that what Jesus wants his listeners to understand here is the gracious heart of God. The gracious heart of the Father. Did you know that God is not a stingy, reluctant God who doesn't want to ever be asked for anything? (laughs) Like... Go away, I'm busy. I'm running the universe. Can't you see that? That's not God. That's not him. Jesus knew God. And he knew that the Father is not a crotchety, miserly, hard-hearted, cosmic killjoy who's out to make people miserable. That's not God. If that's your image of God, you've got it all wrong. In fact, I believe that creating hunger for God's grace was Jesus' primary intent here. Remember what this sermon is all about. Jesus was telling the people that all of their efforts to try and be good enough for God were going to fall short, right? No one can be good good enough for God on their own. 
He wanted them and us to know that the primary reason he came to this earth was not to tell people to shape up, fly straight, do better, but rather to free them from the exhaustion of being on that performance treadmill by offering them God's plan of grace. And so I think here in in this teaching, he's teaching us about the heart of the Father, the gracious heart of God who is a gracious giver, a generous giver, who loves to give gifts to his children. God is the source of all that is good. That's Jesus' view of God. Is that your view of God? Then there's a third encouragement to ask God for things, and this one is a little hidden, but if you dig for it a little bit, you'll see it. I see a progression here in this verse. Ask, seek, knock. Do you see it? What I believe this suggests is that Jesus wants his people to know that however near you feel to God or however far or distant you feel from God, you can still approach him in prayer and know that he's going to respond. So number three, the third encouragement is that God is always accessible. So think about this scenario. Let's say you're at at your home and you need something and you want to ask your dad for it and he's sitting right there in the living room where you are. He's sitting in his easy chair there reading the paper and if you need something from your dad you can just what? Ask him. He's right there. He's nearby. But if you need something from your dad and he's not there in the room, you might think, well, I need to go seek after him and find him wherever he's at in the house. And Jesus says, when you seek him, you will find him and he will respond and give you what you need. Or maybe you need something from your dad and you don't know where he is and you go walking through your house from room to room and you can't find him and finally you realize he's in his study. He's behind a door. So you knock on the door and it says that your dad will come and open the door and invite you in, listen to your request, and give you what you need. John Piper says, the point here seems to be that it doesn't matter whether you find God immediately close at hand, almost touchable, or hard to see, or even feel like there's some barriers between you. He will hear, and he will give good things to you because you look to him and not someone else. What Jesus is saying is that God the Father is never so distant that he's inaccessible to his children. That's encouraging, amen? That makes me want to pray. No matter how far away I think I am from him. And then notice in verse 8 a key word. For everyone, it says, who asks, receives. Everyone. And that tells me number four, a fourth encouragement, that there are no distinctions in the mind of God. No matter who you are, If God is your Father, then you can pray to Him. I think by using this word everyone, Jesus wants us, wants to overcome our hesitancy that this somehow is going to work for other people but not for me. You ever feel that way? Well, this will work for pastor types or godly types or missionary types, but I'm not sure it's going to work for me. In his commentary on this passage, Martin Luther wrote this, God knows that we are timid and shy and that we feel unworthy and unfit to present our needs to God. We think that God is so great, and we are so tiny that we dare not pray. That is why Christ wants to lure us away from such timid thoughts, to remove our doubts, to have us go ahead confidently and boldly to pray. Everyone, every single child of the Father can seek Him in prayer and ask for His gifts. Now notice I said every child of the Father 
That means everybody who's in the family, right? In the family of God. This promise here of, of access to God and his response is reserved for those who by faith have trusted Jesus Christ, his son, to be their Lord, Savior, Master, King. And thereby have been adopted into the family of God. So this privilege of asking and receiving from God the Father is a privilege of those who are in the family, right? Of true believers in Christ. So for those who are indeed a part of God's family, the encouragement here is that no matter what your status is in the family, prominent, popular, or unknown and obscure, wealthy or poor, thin or fat, young or old, red, yellow, black or white, living victoriously and walking really close to the Lord or struggling against a life-dominating sin, all the children in God's family can approach their daddy in heaven and ask him for things. Isn't that cool? Knowing that makes me want to pray more, not less. The next one is an encouragement I imagine many in this room need, and that is this, that as we talk about God as our father, just the realization that he is the best dad. He's the absolute best dad, bar none. Some people struggle with viewing God as their father, right? Because their earthly father didn't represent God very well to them. They wouldn't describe their earthly father as gracious or loving. But you see, the heavenly father is not like your earthly father. Some of you, if you just get that, He's different. He doesn't have any of the flaws, faults, sins, bad habits, short tempers that your earthly father has. God is perfect. He's the absolute best dad. So no matter how good or bad your earthly father was, God is infinitely better. He's better than your dad. And then number six, he has a generous heart. He has a generous heart. Isn't it good to know that about the Father? It's in his heart to, to give. If even evil dads on earth give their kids at least some good gifts, how much more will our perfect Heavenly Father always give good gifts to his children? He's the best dad in the universe and he has a generous heart. For God so loved the world that he gave. That banner needs to be flying over your life today. God is a giver. He has loads of good gifts to give. He wants to give them to his children. But interestingly enough, at least in some cases, he gives those gifts to his children who what? Who ask him. What that tells me is that God has this stash of gifts earmarked for me in heaven, my name written on them, but in some cases, at least, he's waiting for me to ask for them before he gives them to me. Now, I can't explain that. I can't explain what's in the sovereign mind of God. But I know I don't want to go through all of my life and miss out on receiving some of those gifts just because I never asked. It's got my name on it. It's reserved for me. But Jesus said, ask, and you will receive. Ask. Well, these promises, in my mind, beg the question, okay, okay, 
but what exactly are these good gifts that I can confidently ask God for as his child? Don't you want to know that? What, what are these gifts? Ferraris? 10,000 square foot homes? I mean, what's, he, what's he promising here? And in my mind, this is the key to receiving answers from God in prayer, discerning what those good gifts are that God wants to give us and then asking for those things. And I believe the place to start in figuring out what those good gifts are that Jesus had in mind here is right here in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, probably, that one of the principles of interpreting the Bible correctly is to look at the context, right? Have you heard that before? So if there's a verse and you're trying to understand what this verse means, you look at the surrounding verses, and usually they'll give you clues as to the meaning or the intent of the author in writing that verse. And so I think that all throughout this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been dropping clues as to what these good gifts are that the Father wants to give to his children and wants his children to ask him for. And I'll just mention a few. I think I've got them listed out on your outline there. But when I thought back through the last couple of chapters, I realized that Jesus either explicitly or implicitly tells us what the good gifts are that we can ask God for. The first is soul satisfaction. The satisfying of those universal human cravings that we often look to people for, like approval, acceptance, worth, value, significance, meaning. Remember when Jesus was chastising the Pharisees for doing their religious stuff to be seen by men? He's like, look, you're trying to extract from people what only God has promised to give and what he can only really give in a satisfying way. He's the reward second. He's the reward. A deeper experience of God is the only thing that will fill up your soul. I think he's telling us these things come from God. He's the source. How about the provision of our true needs when he said that the Father knows what you need before you even ask him? The Lord's Prayer we walked through. We saw that Jesus taught us to pray and ask for daily bread, forgiveness of our sins, direction, lead us and deliverance, deliver us from evil. Where does single-hearted devotion to one master come from? It comes from God. How about freedom from anxiety and, and the peace of God and being content with what we have, as Jesus spoke about at the end of chapter 6? Where do those things come from? What's the source of contentment? What's the source of inner peace? Isn't it God? In 33 of chapter 6, he said, Seek first his righteousness. Where does true righteousness come from? It comes as a gift of God, right? That's salvation. That's justification by faith. That's being right with God. Well, that, that comes to those who ask for it. Who, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be, what? Saved. It's a gift. It comes from God. You can't earn it. Last week, we talked about you know, freedom from feeling superior to other people and judging other people. And we talked about discernment and the need to have discernment in making decisions. Well, where do those things come from? They come from God. Those are good gifts you can ask God for. In upcoming weeks, we'll see that we need from God grace to find His narrow way, to enter through the narrow gate. We need Him for discernment regarding false teachers and evil influences in the, in the world and assurance of our genuine salvation, that we're truly saved, and then the strength to obey Christ and not just hear his word, but to do it. These are all 
wonderful gifts from God that you can feel confident in asking your Father for and knowing that he will give them to you. And this is not an exhaustive list, obviously. These are just some of the vast treasure trove of gifts that the Father has for his children. In fact, James wrote in James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Everybody look at me for a minute. Everything good comes from God. Everything good comes from God. He's the source of all that is good. Because he is good. So doesn't it just make sense for his children to approach him often and ask for his good gifts in prayer? And many of you do. Many of you do. I want to share with you some of, some of that joy of answered prayer. You may have got an email from me this past week asking you to just share with me some answers to prayer. And I got deluged by them. And um, I could not possibly read all of them or we'd be here till midnight. But I'd like to read to you uh, just a sampling, I guess, of some of the answered prayers that new lifers have experienced. Some of them are big, huge, life-altering things, and some of them are just daily blessings from God. They increased my faith as I read them. A sister prayed for God's help in locating her long-lost brother that she'd not seen in many, many, many years. Didn't know where he was. And God answered that prayer by providentially arranging a chance meeting, a chance meeting, where she was relieved to find out that her brother was doing okay. Years of praying by a son for his lost dad was answered when his father unexplainably one day got up and went to church and then started attending church regularly and heard the gospel and ended up accepting Jesus Christ. And now today his dad is an elder in that church and a godly example to many, many people. A lady here in our church said, you know what, my brother who we had been praying for for years to come to know Jesus, was diagnosed with brain cancer in June of 06. She says, we had one last opportunity in the hospital to speak with him about how much Jesus loved him and died for his sins. My brother accepted the Lord Jesus as his Savior in the hospital on that June day. Four months later, he died and met his Savior at the door to heaven. My mother, she wrote, had prayed for him for 68 years. Now that her job was finished, Mama died four days after my brother. Never give up. It may take 68 years for God to answer your prayers, or it may take a day. God's ways and times are not our ways. A couple who was looking to adopt a child internationally had been praying for two and a half years that God would give them a little girl, just the desire of their heart, even though they were told there was only a 1% chance of them being able to have a, a girl, but God did. He supplied. He gave them the desires of their hearts. There's a nurse in our church who's praising God for answering her prayer to be reconciled with a co-worker with whom she had been at odds, and God did it. There's a mom and a daughter who were praying for her dad's salvation. Then the dad became very, very ill, and they decided to pray even harder. She wrote, the prayer that my daughter and I prayed constantly through her dad's illness, along with the prayers of her soccer team, her children's ministry class, small group, and friends and family, that prayer was answered. 
We learned of her father's salvation the night before he died. I cannot imagine how differently our grieving would be if we didn't have the peace of knowing that he is with Jesus and we will see him again. A number of you reported that you had prayed for a job, that you needed a job, and you prayed, and God answered and provided you with a job. There was a struggling mom who wrote and said, I was at the, very end of a, I was at the end of a very, very, very dark chapter in my life. It was full of drugs and all kinds of sin. I had an upcoming court date that could have very well landed me back in prison again. There I was, a new mother with a four-month-old baby. I was scared to death, and I prayed to God. I said, God, please remove this pain. Please remove the drugs from my life. Please remove the court dates. Remove the bondage that I'm in. And God did. I went to court. The case got dismissed. And my child and I cuddled all evening. And I've never since looked back from the Lord. One young lady said, I prayed for years that God would send me a godly young man who would be my husband. And thank God I have a godly husband. Several were rejoicing that the Lord had granted their loved ones a swift recovery from major surgeries. And in several instances, it was so quick, the recoveries were so quick, that the doctors were just befuddled. There was a sister who prayed for a younger sibling who had been a prodigal for many years, and of course that was deeply grieving the family. And just last week, she discovered that he had been delivered from his alcohol addiction, and he is now re-enrolling in college. A wife remarked that she was praying for strength from the Lord to love her husband who was unsaved. And now she's not only able to love her unsaved husband, but is at peace that the Lord is going to save him. One lady was overjoyed because she said, I needed a car and I prayed and asked God and somebody gave me a car. (laughs) Praise God. A wife wrote, my husband and I have been believing God for a home in Gehanna and a full-time job for my husband. Four weeks ago, my husband got the full-time position at UPS The same week we got our pre-approval, found a house, and moved into it this past Saturday, our heads are still spinning from just standing still, watching God's hand move in our favor. He is the God of more than enough. He's always right on time. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This one's cool. A man said, a guy where I worked wore cursing as a garment. That's a euphemism for he cussed a blue streak. And he said, as a Christian, however, that intimidated me into being silent. I felt that I should be a witness for Christ to him, but I couldn't bring myself to say anything to him. So I told the Lord, I need you. No way, I can't bring up this subject in in a serious mode. Help me. I went back to my workbench and, and was working there. Within five minutes, my coworker came over to my bench with a stereo that he wanted me to check out and inspect. I said, what's the problem? He said, it's stuck on one station. Let me show you. He turned on the radio, and there was J. Vernon McGee saying, you must be born again. He said, I was shocked by how quickly God had answered my prayer. So if you're having problems witnessing to a coworker, pray about it. God does answer our prayers. One woman wrote, where do I even begin? I prayed to God to change my life. He has turned me from a depressed, angry, hurting person into a strong lover of Jesus. He took away my smoking habit of 40 years, brought me through several surgeries. My spirit has been enlightened and given a new focus on Jesus. 
What has happened from this? My son has seen this huge change. He's now attending New Life, dating a wonderful Christian woman. I'm now a small group leader, an active Christian, and helping to spread the word of God. I am so blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Another person wrote, God is answering my prayers. They're too numerous to count. He said, one recent example was last weekend. Our small group planned to serve free lunches and pray for people on a street corner in a lower-income part of Columbus. As the day approached, it was clear that the weather was going to be bad. It was going to be much colder than we anticipated. I admit, worry crept into my head, and I had thoughts that no one's going to show up, and we won't be able to be a blessing to those folks. So I prayed about it that morning, and sure enough, God answered my prayers. We had plenty of people to serve, and within two hours, we'd completely handed out all the lunches that we had, and most all the people that we talked with were open to being prayed for and learning about Jesus. A woman said, my prayers were answered when I was given the strength to be able to stop a terrible addiction to drugs. For me, I didn't take any classes or go to any support groups. All I needed was strength from God, and I received it. And since then, not only have I been delivered from drugs, but I've been given a son, a home, a car, and I'm currently getting a college education. Well, that's pretty cool stuff. I could go on and on and on. let me share one particular answer to prayer that uh, our elder team has been praying about for quite some time. And you know this because I've shared it with you. We've been asking God, because the gospel in us is propelling us outward and sending us on mission, we've been asking the Lord to show us his, give us his direction for what community to go to to plant our first multi-site campus as New Life Church. And we fasted and prayed and discussed and fasted and prayed and just recently, God has confirmed in the hearts of our elder team here that he is calling us to go to the community of Whitehall to plant our first gospel-centered campus. Praise God for that. So can you envision in your mind families and couples and teenagers and children living in Whitehall who don't even really realize it, but they're desperate for Jesus Christ, they're desperate for the water of life, they're desperate for the life and light of the gospel, and they need a gospel-centered church full of Jesus-loving people to come to them so they can come to know Christ. And now that the where question has been answered by God, the next thing you could be praying about is the who question, the team that's going to be formed, that's going to be sent to go to Whitehall to represent the Lord and new life there in that community and carry Jesus' light. What a privilege this is to pray to our Father in heaven and ask him for things and see him answer our prayers. What a great privilege. I hope that you share in your small groups when you come together. I hope that you share not just your sorrows and difficulties, but your answers to prayer as well because that encourages our faith, amen? I also recommend that you keep a journal like I have here. We, we uh, carry these in our bookstore. You can pick one up. I think they're seven or eight bucks. And these are just full of not only journal pages, but a lot of um, helps to help you in your daily quiet time with God, just connecting with the Lord on a deeper level. Highly recommend that you journal and particularly your answers to prayer, the things that you've seen God do in your life and in your family's life. Well, right now, lurking around the edges of your mind should be a question. So, Pastor Steve, what about when God doesn't answer prayer? 
Anybody have any unanswered prayers? Yeah. How do you explain that, Pastor? I mean, there are things I've asked God for for weeks or months or years or decades, and He hasn't responded yet. What do you say about that? Well, it's a fair question, isn't it? I would say several things. First, I would say, I did a whole sermon on that a while back. You ought to listen to it. (laughs) In the fall of 11, we did a series called Draw Near. It was a series on prayer, and the final message is titled, God, Why Didn't You Answer My Prayer? Why didn't you answer my prayer, God? It's my best shot at identifying biblical reasons for God sometimes not giving us what we ask for. Second thing I'd say, so I'd say go listen to that. Second, I'd say some things that we ask God for, he knows wouldn't be good for us to have. Jesus even implies that here in this passage. Good dads don't give their kids a stone or a snake. Sometimes the things we ask, good for, ask God for seem good to us, like some bread or a fish, but God knows they'll end up crushing us like a rock or biting us like a snake, so in his mercy, he withholds them from us. Father knows best, and he always and only gives good gifts. Amen? Good gifts. And so sometimes the reason we don't receive from God in prayer the things we're asking of him is because he knows this wouldn't be good for you. It's like when I took my oldest son, this was years ago, to Dick's, which back then was Galleons. Remember that place? He'd go in and he saw this display case full of knives. He's like, Dad, give me that one right there, the biggest, sharpest knife in there. I want that, Dad. Would you give that to me? And in my mind, I'm imagining the murder and mayhem that would take place in my home if I bought him that gift. So I said, I'm a good dad. No! No, I'm not going to do that. Good dads don't give their kids bad gifts, and the Heavenly Father, the best dad of all, only and always gives good gifts to his children. Father knows best. Then there are times where God withholds his gifts because our motives are selfish, not loving. That's why James wrote in James 4, you do not have because you do not ask, and when you ask and do not receive, it is because you ask wrongly to spend it upon your passions. You see, the truth about me is that sometimes I want to have one of God's good gifts to boost my ego or to feed my flesh. You guys know that in this series, we're learning that our motives matter to God, right? Why we're asking. And God may choose not to give us a particular gift until he has purified our motives. And then there's the matter of God's timing. Sometimes you're praying for something and you're not getting any response and you're thinking this is a no, when in reality it might be a wait. Not yet. Keep praying. You've heard preachers before say that God actually answers every prayer, right? Sometimes he answers yes. Sometimes he answers no. Sometimes he he answers, you gotta be kidding me. And sometimes he answers, not yet, keep praying. Wait and keep praying. Here's what I've discovered. Although we may not realize it, you probably don't, there are times when we are not prepared to handle the things that we're asking God to give us. We're not yet the kind of people who could steward well that gift from God. We don't have the maturity or the character yet in our lives to handle it well, to steward it well, and so God says, not yet, Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking on the doors of heaven. I will give it to you 
after I have equipped and prepared you to be the kind of person who can handle that gift well. Does that make sense? But we don't see it. We're on this side of that equation, right? And we're just thinking, I'm asking for it. I want it now. And God's saying, not yet. Have you discovered yet that your timing and God's timing are different? I mean, it's just different. (laughs) He's not in a hurry, is he? He's not in a hurry. And so, in those cases, God's goal in not answering our prayers when we want him to answer, it's not punishment. It's refining. It's preparation. So here's my counsel to you. If you are indeed a child of the Heavenly Father, if you are a saved, believer, born-again person, then my counsel to you is ask. It never hurts to ask. Ask for the desires of your heart. And keep asking. That's the tense here. Ask, seek, knock. It's really saying keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Just because you don't receive it in a few hours or days or weeks or months or even years, if you really believe it's something that would be a good thing for you to have, ask and keep asking. Ask until you receive what you ask for or until you believe that you no longer need to ask. God's kind of released you from that. I've heard you. Or until you become convinced that it's not God's desire for you to have. Then lastly, I'd say, above everything else, trust the sovereign goodness of God. You know, the Bible says, as for God, his ways are perfect. Maybe not now, but maybe someday, it'll be clear to us that everything God did and everything God didn't do was perfectly wise, perfectly loving, perfectly just, perfectly gracious. And in that day, we will praise him for it. Amen? Trust the sovereign goodness of God. Well, as we close, I want to ask you two things, and they're in a little box there on the back side of your um, study outline. The first is this. What good gift has God already provided for you that you need to praise him for? Is there something like that in your life? A good gift that God's already given you that you need to praise him for. Think about that for a minute. And then second, what good gift that you've not yet received is God calling you to keep asking him for? You haven't received it yet. Maybe you've asked him once. Maybe you've asked him 50 times. Maybe you've asked him a thousand times. What good gift are you asking God for that he's saying keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking? Why are you thinking about that? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for sending your son to bear all of our sins and pay for them in full, like we sang earlier, to give us the privilege of approaching you in prayer. I am so grateful that Jesus purchased for you a family and we get to be part of it. And I say thank you Lord, may we not take this costly privilege for granted, Lord. You invite us to come and ask. Just with your heads bowed there, how many of you are asking God for something? Can I see your hands? There's something in your heart. I'm asking God for this. Yeah. Me too. I've got things I've been asking him for for a long, long time. 
what I want to do these next few moments as, as we worship and our prayer partners are gathered and, and ready to pray with you, but I'm going to ask you if there's something in your heart that you're asking God for that you feel, you feel prompted to ask him for, I'm going to ask you to come with the rest of us and kneel here and ask him one more time. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the tenth time, maybe it's the thousandth time, but you're saying, God, I'm coming again. It's me again. <laughs> I'm coming to knock on the door of heaven some more. I want this from you, God. I believe it'd be a good gift. I believe it's something you'd want me to have, so I'm asking again in faith, trusting that you'll give it to me. You do that these next few moments. Just get out of your seat. Maybe you want to bring that little piece of paper with you. You can come and kneel and ask. Maybe you want to come to a prayer partner who is waiting here. Maybe you've been asking for something and you can't figure out why God wouldn't give it to you. And Maybe you've been frustrated or disillusioned with the Lord. You need some help working through that or processing that. You could come to one of these folks and they would love to pray with you. Maybe there's